0: this is section ten of presidential farewell and last addresses this librivox recording is in the public domain president john tyler's state of the union address december third eighteen forty four to the senate and house of representatives of the united states we have continued cause for expressing our gratitude to the supreme ruler of the universe for the benefits and blessings which our country under his kind providence has enjoyed during the past year notwithstanding the exciting scenes through which we have passed nothing has occurred to disturb the general peace or to derange the harmony of our political system the great moral spectacle has been exhibited of a nation approximating in number to twenty millions people having performed the high and important function of electing their chief magistrate for the term of four years without the commission of any acts of violence or the manifestation of a spirit of insubordination to the laws the great and inestimable right of suffrage has been exercised by all who were invested with it under the laws of the different states in a spirit dictated alone by a desire in the selection of the agent to advance the interests of the country and to place beyond jeopardy the institutions under which it is our happiness to live that the deepest interest has been manifested by all our countrymen in the result of the election is not less true than highly creditable to them vast multitudes have assembled from time to time at various places for the purpose of canvassing the merits and pretensions of those who were presented for their suffrages but no armed soldiery has been necessary to restrain within proper limits the popular zeal or to prevent violent outbreaks a principle much more controlling was found in the love of order and obedience to the laws which with mere individual exceptions everywhere possesses the american mind and controls with an influence far more powerful than hosts of armed men we cannot dwell upon this picture without recognizing in it that deep and devoted attachment on the part of the people to the institutions under which we live which proclaims their perpetuity the great objection which has always prevailed against the election by the people of their chief executive officer has been the apprehension of tumults and disorders which might involve in ruin the entire government a security against this is found not only in the fact before alluded to trot in the additional fact that we live under a confederacy embracing already twenty-six states no one of which has power to control the election the popular vote in each state is taken at the time appointed by the laws and such vote is announced by the electoral college without reference to the decision of other states. The right of suffrage and the mode of conducting the election are regulated by the laws of each state, and the election is distinctly federative in all its prominent features. Thus it is that, unlike what might be the results under a consolidated system, riotous proceedings, should they prevail, could only affect the elections in single states without disturbing to any dangerous extent the tranquillity of others the great experiment of a political confederation each member of which is supreme as to all matters appertaining to its local interests and its internal peace and happiness while by a voluntary compact with others it confides to the united power of all the protection of its citizens in matters not domestic has been so far crowned with complete success the world has witnessed its rapid growth in wealth and population and under the guide and direction of a superintending providence the developments of the past may be regarded but as the shadowing forth of the mighty future in the bright prospects of that future we shall find as patriots and philanthropists the highest inducements to cultivate and cherish a love of union and to frown down every measure or effort which may be made to alienate the states or the people of the States in sentiment and feeling from each other. A rigid and close adherence to the terms of our political compact, and, above all, a sacred observance of the guarantees of the Constitution, will preserve union on a foundation which cannot be shaken while personal liberty is placed beyond hazard or jeopardy the guarantee of religious freedom of the freedom of the press of the liberty of speech of the trial by jury of the habeas corpus and of the domestic institutions of each of the states leaving the private citizen in the full exercise of the high and ennobling attributes of his nature and to each state the privilege which can only be judiciously exerted by itself of consulting the means best calculated to advance its own happiness these are the great and important guarantees of the constitution which the lovers of liberty must cherish and the advocates of union must ever cultivate preserving these and avoiding all interpolations by forced construction under the guise of an imagined expediency upon the constitution the influence of our political system is destined to be as actively and as beneficially felt on the distant shores of the pacific as it is now on those of the atlantic ocean the only formidable impediments in the way of its successful expansion, time and space, are so far in the progress of modification by the improvements of the age as to render no longer speculative the ability of representatives from that remote region to come up to the capital so that their constituents shall participate in all the benefits of federal legislation thus it is that in the progress of time the inestimable principles of civil liberty will be enjoyed by millions yet unborn and the great benefits of our system of government be extended to now distant and uninhabited regions in view of the vast wilderness yet to be reclaimed we may well invite the lover of freedom of every land to take up his abode among us and assist us in the great work of advancing the standard of civilization and giving a wider spread to the arts and refinements of cultivated life our prayers should evermore be offered up to the father of the universe for his wisdom to direct us in the path of our duty so as to enable us to consummate these high purposes one of the strongest objections which has been urged against confederacies by writers on government is the liability of the members to be tampered with by foreign governments or the people of foreign states either in their local affairs or in such as affected the peace of others or endangered the safety of the whole confederacy we cannot hope to be entirely exempt from such attempts on our peace and safety the united states are becoming too important in population and resources not to attract the observation of other nations it therefore may in the progress of time occur that opinions entirely abstract in the states which they may prevail and in no degree affecting their domestic institutions may be artfully but secretly encouraged with a view to undermine the union such opinions may become the foundation of political parties until at last the conflict of opinion producing an alienation of friendly feeling among the people of the different states may involve in general destruction the happy institutions under which we live it should ever be borne in mind that what is true in regard to individuals is equally so in regard to states an interference of one of the affairs of another is the fruitful cause of family dissensions and neighborhood disputes and the same cause affects the peace happiness and prosperity of states it may be most devoutly hoped that the good sense of the american people will ever be ready to repel all such attempts should they ever be made there has been no material change in our foreign relations since my last annual message to congress with all the powers of europe we continue on the most friendly terms indeed it affords me much satisfaction to state that at no former period has the peace of that enlightened and important quarter of the globe ever been apparently more firmly established the conviction that peace is the true policy of nations would seem to be growing and becoming deeper amongst the enlightened everywhere and there is no people who have a stronger interest in cherishing the sentiments and adopting the means of preserving and giving it permanence than those of the united states amongst these the first and most effective are no doubt the strict observance of justice and the honest and punctual fulfilment of all engagements but it is not to be forgotten that in the present state of the world it is no less necessary to be ready to enforce their observance and fulfilment in reference to ourselves than to observe and fulfil them on our part in regard to others since the close of your last session a negotiation has been formally entered upon between the secretary of state and her britannic Majesty's minister plenipotentiary and envoy extraordinary residing at washington relative to the rights of their respective nations in and over the oregon territory that negotiation is still pending should it during your session be brought to a definitive conclusion the result will be promptly communicated to congress i would however again call your attention to the recommendations contained in previous messages designed to protect and facilitate emigration to that territory the establishment of military posts at suitable points upon the extended line of land travel would enable our citizens to emigrate in comparative safety to the fertile regions below the falls of the columbia and make the provision of the existing convention for the joint occupation of the territory by subjects of great britain and the citizens of the united states more available than heretofore to the latter these posts would constitute places of rest for the weary emigrant where he would be sheltered securely against the danger of attack from the indians and be enabled to recover from the exhaustion of a long line of travel legislative enactments should also be made which should spread over him the aegis of our laws so as to afford protection to his person and property when he shall have reached his distant home in this latter respect the british government has been much more careful of the interests of such of her people as are to be found in that country than the united states she has made necessary provision for their security and protection against the acts of the viciously disposed and lawless and her emigrant reposes in safety under the panoply of her laws whatever may be the result of the pending negotiation such measures are necessary it will afford me the greatest pleasure to witness a happy and favorable termination to the existing negotiation upon terms compatible with the public honor, and the best efforts of the government will continue to be directed to this end. It would have given me the highest gratification in this, my last annual communication to Congress, to have been able to announce to you the complete and entire settlement and adjustment of other matters in difference between the United States and the government of her britannic majesty which were adverted to in a previous message it is so obviously the interest of both countries in respect to the large and valuable commerce which exists between them that all causes of complaint however inconsiderable should be with the greatest promptitude removed that it must be regarded as cause of regret that any unnecessary delays should be permitted to intervene it is true that in a pecuniary point of view the matters alluded to are altogether insignificant in amount when compared with the ample resources of that great nation but they nevertheless more particularly that limited class which arise under seizures and detentions of american ships on the coast of africa upon the mistaken supposition indulged in at the time the wrong was committed of their being engaged in the slave trade deeply affect the sensibilities of this government and people great britain having recognized her responsibility to repair all such wrongs by her action in other cases leaves nothing to be regretted upon the subject as to all cases arising prior to the treaty of washington than the delay in making suitable reparation in such of them as fall plainly within the principle of others which she has long since adjusted the injury inflicted by delays in the settlement of these claims falls with severity upon the individual claimants and makes a strong appeal to her magnanimity and sense of justice for a speedy settlement other matters arising out of the construction of existing treaties also remain unadjusted and will continue to be urged upon her attention the labors of the joint commission appointed by the two governments to run the dividing line established by the treaty of washington were unfortunately much delayed in the commencement of the season by the failure of congress at its last session to make a timely appropriation of funds to meet the expenses of the american party and by other causes the united states commissioner however expresses his expectation that by increased diligence and energy the party will be able to make up for lost time we continue to receive assurances of the most friendly feelings on the part of all the other european powers with each and all of whom it is so obviously our interest to cultivate the most amicable relations nor can i anticipate the occurrence of any event which would be likely in any degree to disturb those relations russia the great northern power under the judicious sway of her emperor is constantly advancing in the road of science and improvement while france guided by the counsels of her wise sovereign pursues a course calculated to consolidate the general peace spain has obtained a breathing spell of some duration from the internal convulsions which have through so many years marred her prosperity while austria the netherlands prussia belgium and the other powers of europe reap a rich harvest of blessings from the prevailing peace i informed the two houses of congress in my message of december last that instructions had been given to mr wheaton our minister at berlin to negotiate a treaty with the germanic states composing the sovereign if it could be done stipulating as far as it was practicable to accomplish it for a reduction of the heavy and onerous duties levied on our tobacco and other leading articles of agricultural production and yielding in return on our part a reduction of duties on such articles the product of their industry as should not come into competition or but a limited one with articles the product of our manufacturing industry the executive in giving such instructions considered itself as acting in strict conformity with the wishes of congress as made known through several measures which it had adopted all directed to the accomplishment of this important result the treaty was therefore negotiated by which essential reductions were secured in the duties levied by the Zolverein on tobacco rice and lard accompanied by a stipulation for the admission of raw cotton free of duty in exchange for which highly important concessions a reduction of duties imposed by the laws of the united states on a variety of articles most of which were admitted free of all duty under the act of congress commonly known as the Compromise Law, and but few of which were produced in the United States, was stipulated for on our part. This treaty was communicated to the Senate at an early day of its last session, but not acted upon until near its close, when, for the want, as I am bound to presume, of full time to consider it, it was laid upon the table this procedure had the effect of virtually rejecting it in consequence of a stipulation contained in the treaty that its ratifications should be exchanged on or before a day which has already passed the executive acting upon the fair inference that the senate did not intend its absolute rejection gave instructions to our minister at berlin to reopen the negotiation so far as to obtain an extension of time for the exchange of ratifications. I regret, however, to say that his efforts in this respect have been unsuccessful. I am, nevertheless, not without hope that the great advantages which were intended to be secured by the treaty may yet be realized i am happy to inform you that belgium has by an arrêté royal, issued in july last assimilated the flag of the united states to her own so far as the direct trade between the two countries is concerned this measure will prove of great service to our shipping interest the trade having heretofore been carried on chiefly in foreign bottoms i flatter myself that she will speedily resort to a modification of her system relating to the tobacco trade which would decidedly benefit the agriculture of the united states and operate to the mutual advantage of both countries no definitive intelligence has yet been received from our minister of the conclusion of a treaty with the chinese empire but enough is known to induce the strongest hopes that the mission will be crowned with success with brazil our relations continue on the most friendly footing the commercial intercourse between that growing empire and the united states is becoming daily of greater importance to both and it is to the interest of both that the firmest relations of amity and good will should continue to be cultivated between them the republic of new grenada still withholds notwithstanding the most persevering efforts have been employed by our charge d'affaires mr blackford to produce a different result indemnity in the case of the brig Morris, and the congress of venezuela although an arrangement has been effected between our minister and the minister of foreign affairs of that government for the payment of eighteen thousand dollars in discharge of its liabilities in the same case has altogether neglected to make provision for its payment it is to be hoped that a sense of justice will soon induce a settlement of these claims our late minister to Chile, mr pendleton has returned to the united states without having effected an adjustment in the second claim of the macedonian which is delayed on grounds altogether frivolous and untenable mr pendleton's successor has been directed to urge the claim in the strongest terms and in the event of a failure to obtain a prompt adjustment to report the fact to the executive at as early a day as possible so that the whole matter may be communicated to congress at your last session i submitted to the attention of congress the convention with the republic of peru of the seventeenth march eighteen forty one providing for the adjustment of the claims of citizens of the united states against that republic but no definitive action was taken upon the subject i again invite to it your attention and prompt action in my last annual message i felt it to be my duty to make known to congress in terms both plain and emphatic my opinion in regard to the war which has so long existed between mexico and texas which since the battle of san jacinto has consisted altogether of predatory incursions attended by circumstances revolting to humanity i repeat now what i then said that after eight years of feeble and ineffectual efforts to reconquer texas it was time that the war should have ceased the united states have a direct interest in the question the contiguity of the two nations to our territory was but too well calculated to involve our peace unjust suspicions were engendered in the mind of one or the other of the belligerents against us and as a necessary consequence american interests were made to suffer and our peace became daily endangered in addition to which it must have been obvious to all that the exhaustion produced by the war subjected both mexico and texas to the interference of other powers which without the interposition of this government might eventuate in the most serious injury to the united states this government from time to time exerted its friendly offices to bring about a termination of hostilities upon terms honorable alike to both the belligerents its efforts in this behalf proved unavailing mexico seemed almost without an object to persevere in the war and no other alternative was left the executive but to take advantage of the well-known dispositions of texas and to invite her to enter into a treaty for annexing her territory to that of the united states since your last session mexico has threatened to renew the war and has either made or proposes to make formidable preparations for invading texas she has issued decrees and proclamations preparatory to the commencement of hostilities full of threats revolting to humanity and which if carried into effect would arouse the attention of all christendom this new demonstration of feeling there is too much reason to believe has been produced in consequence of the negotiation of the late treaty of annexation with texas the executive therefore could not be indifferent to such proceedings and it felt it to be due as well to itself as to the honor of the country that a strong representation should be made to the mexican government upon the subject this was accordingly done as will be seen by the copy of the accompanying dispatch from the secretary of state to the united states envoy at mexico mexico has no right to jeopard the peace of the world by urging any longer a useless and fruitless contest such a condition of things would not be tolerated on the european continent why should it be on this a war of desolation such as is now threatened by mexico cannot be waged without involving our peace and tranquillity it is idle to believe that such a war could be looked upon with indifference by our own citizens inhabiting adjoining states and our neutrality would be violated in despite of all efforts on the part of government to prevent it the country is settled by emigrants from the united states under invitations held out to them by spain and mexico those emigrants have left behind them friends and relatives who would not fail to sympathize with them in their difficulties and who would be led by those sympathies to participate in their struggles however energetic the action of the government to prevent it nor would the numerous and formidable bands of indians the most warlike to be found in any land which occupy the extensive regions contiguous to the states of arkansas and missouri and who are in possession of large tracts of country within the limits of texas be likely to remain passive the inclinations of those numerous tribes lead them invariably to war whenever pretexts exist. Mexico had no just ground of displeasure against this government or people for negotiating the treaty. What interest of hers was affected by the treaty? She was despoiled of nothing, since Texas was forever lost to her the independence of texas was recognized by several of the leading powers of the earth she was free to treat free to adopt her own line of policy free to take the course which she believed was best calculated to secure her happiness her government and people decided on annexation to the united states and the executive saw in the acquisition of such a territory the means of advancing their permanent happiness and glory what principle of good faith then was violated what rule of political morals trampled underfoot so far as mexico herself was concerned the measure should have been regarded by her as highly beneficial her inability to reconquer texas had been exhibited i repeat by eight now nine years of fruitless and ruinous contest in the meantime texas has been growing in population and resources emigration has flowed into her territory from all parts of the world in a current which continues to increase in strength mexico requires a permanent boundary between that young republic and herself texas at no distant day if she continues separate and detached from the united states will inevitably seek to consolidate her strength by adding to her domain the contiguous provinces of mexico the spirit of revolt from the control of the central government has heretofore manifested itself in some of those provinces and it is fair to infer that they would be inclined to take the first favorable opportunity to proclaim their independence and to form close alliances with texas the war would thus be endless or if cessations of hostilities should occur they would only endure for a season the interests of mexico therefore could in nothing be better consulted than in a peace with her neighbors which would result in the establishment of a permanent boundary upon the ratification of the treaty the executive was prepared to treat with her on the most liberal basis hence the boundaries of texas were left undefined by the treaty the executive proposed to settle these upon terms that all the world should have pronounced just and reasonable no negotiation upon that point could have been undertaken between the united states and mexico in advance of the ratification of the treaty we should have had no right no power no authority to have conducted such a negotiation and to have undertaken it would have been an assumption equally revolting to the pride of mexico and texas and subjecting us to the charge of arrogance while to have proposed in advance of annexation to satisfy mexico for any contingent interest she might have in texas would have been to have treated texas not as an independent power but as a mere dependency of mexico this assumption could not have been acted on by the executive without setting at defiance your own solemn declaration that that republic was an independent state mexico had it is true threatened war against the united states in the event the treaty of annexation was ratified THE EXECUTIVE COULD NOT PERMIT ITSELF TO BE INFLUENCED BY THIS THREAT. IT IS REPRESENTED IN THIS THE SPIRIT OF OUR PEOPLE, WHO ARE READY TO SACRIFICE MUCH FOR PEACE, BUT NOTHING TO INTIMIDATION. A WAR UNDER ANY CIRCUMSTANCES IS GREATLY TO BE DEPLORED, AND THE UNITED STATES IS THE LAST NATION TO DESIRE IT. BUT IF, AS THE CONDITION OF PEACE it be required of us to forego the unquestionable right of treating with an independent power of our own continent upon matters highly interesting to both and that upon a naked and unsustained pretension of claim by a third power to control the free will of the power with whom we treat devoted as we may be to peace and anxious to cultivate friendly relations with the whole world the executive does not hesitate to say that the people of the united states would be ready to brave all consequences sooner than submit to such condition but no apprehension of war was entertained by the executive and i must express frankly the opinion that had the treaty been ratified by the senate it would have been followed by a prompt settlement to the entire satisfaction of mexico of every matter in difference between the two countries seeing then that new preparations for hostile invasion of texas were about to be adopted by mexico and that these were brought about because texas had adopted the suggestions of the executive upon the subject of annexation it could not passively have folded its arms and permitted a war threatened to be accompanied by every act that could mark a barbarous age to be waged against her because she had done so other considerations of a controlling character influenced the course of the executive the treaty which had thus been negotiated had failed to receive the ratification of the senate one of the chief objections which was urged against it was found to consist in the fact that the question of annexation had not been submitted to the ordeal of public opinion in the United States. However untenable such an objection was esteemed to be, in view of the unquestionable power of the executive to negotiate the treaty, and the great and lasting interests involved in the question, I felt it to be my duty to submit the whole subject to Congress as the best expounders of popular sentiment." no definitive action having been taken on the subject by congress the question referred itself directly to the decision of the states and people the great popular election which has just terminated afforded the best opportunity of ascertaining the will of the states and the people upon it pending that issue it became the imperative duty of the executive to inform mexico that the question of annexation was still before the american people and that until their decision was pronounced any serious invasion of texas would be regarded as an attempt to forestall their judgment and not be looked upon with indifference i am most happy to inform you that no such invasion has taken place and i trust that whatever your action may be upon it mexico will see the importance of deciding the matter by a resort to peaceful expedients in preference to those of arms the decision of the people and the states on this great and interesting subject has been decisively manifested the question of annexation has been presented nakedly to their consideration by the treaty itself all collateral and incidental issues which were calculated to divide and distract the public councils were carefully avoided these were left to the wisdom of the future to determine it presented i repeat the isolated question of annexation and in that form it has been submitted to the ordeal of public sentiment a controlling majority of the people and a large majority of the states have declared in favor of immediate annexation instructions have thus come up to both branches of congress from their respective constituents in terms the most emphatic it is the will of both the people and the states that texas shall be annexed to the union promptly and immediately it may be hoped that in carrying into execution the public will thus declared all collateral issues may be avoided future legislatures can best decide as to the number of states which should be formed out of the territory when the time has arrived for deciding that question so with all others by the treaty the united states assumed the payment of the debts of texas to an amount not exceeding ten millions of dollars to be paid with the exception of a sum falling short of four hundred thousand dollars exclusively out of the proceeds of the sales of her public lands we could not with honor take the lands without assuming the full payment of all incumbencies upon them nothing has occurred since your last session to induce a doubt that the dispositions of texas remain unaltered no intimation of an altered determination on the part of her government and people has been furnished to the executive. She still desires to throw herself under the protection of our laws, and to partake of the blessings of our federative system, while every American interest would seem to require it. The extension of our coastwise and foreign trade to an amount almost incalculable, the enlargement of the market of our manufactures, a constantly growing market for our agricultural productions, safety to our frontiers, and additional strength and stability to the Union, these are the results which would rapidly develop themselves upon the consummation of the measure of annexation. In such event, I will not doubt, but that Mexico would find her true interest to consist in meeting the advances of this government in a spirit of amity." nor do i apprehend any serious complaint from any other quarter no sufficient ground exists for such complaint we should interfere in no respect with the rights of any other nation there cannot be gathered from the act any design on our part to do so with their possessions on this continent we have interposed no impediments in the way of such acquisitions of territory large and extensive as many of them are as the leading powers of europe have made from time to time in every part of the world we seek no conquest made by war no intrigue will have been resorted to or acts of diplomacy essayed to accomplish the annexation of texas free and independent herself she asks to be received into our union it is a question for our own decision whether she shall be received or not the governments having already agreed through their respective organs on the terms of annexation i would recommend their adoption by congress in the form of a joint resolution or act to be perfected and made binding on the two countries when adopted in like manner by the government of texas in order that the subject may be fully presented in all its bearings the correspondence which has taken place in reference to it since the adjournment of congress between the united states texas and mexico is herewith transmitted the amendments proposed by the senate to the convention concluded between the united states and mexico on the twentieth of november eighteen forty three have been transmitted through our minister for the concurrence of the mexican government but although urged thereto no action has yet been had on the subject nor has any answer been given which would authorize a favorable conclusion in the future the decree of september eighteen forty three in relation to the retail trade the order for the expulsion of foreigners and that of a more recent date in regard to passports all which are considered as in violation of the treaty of amity and commerce between the two countries have led to a correspondence of considerable length between the minister for foreign relations and our representatives at mexico but without any satisfactory result they remain still unadjusted and many and serious inconveniences have already resulted to our citizens in consequence of them questions growing out of the act of disarming a body of texan troops under the command of major snively by an officer in the service of the united states acting under the orders of our government and the forcible entry into the custom-house at brierly's landing on red river by certain citizens of the united states and taking away therefrom the goods seized by the collector of the customs as forfeited under the laws of texas have been adjusted so far as the powers of the executive extend. The correspondence between the two governments in reference to both subjects will be found amongst the accompanying documents. It contains a full statement of all the facts and circumstances, with the views taken on both sides and the principles on which the questions have been adjusted. It remains for Congress to make the necessary appropriation to carry the arrangement into effect, which i respectfully recommend the greatly improved condition of the treasury affords a subject for general congratulations the paralysis which had fallen on trade and commerce and which subjected the government to the necessity of resorting to loans and the issue of treasury notes to a large amount has passed away and after the payment of upward of seven millions of dollars on account of the interest and in redemption of more than five millions of dollars of the public debt which falls due on the first of january next and setting apart upward of two millions of dollars for the payment of outstanding treasury notes and meeting an installment of the debts of the corporate cities of the district of columbia an estimated surplus of upward of seven millions of dollars over and above the existing appropriations will remain in the treasury at the close of the fiscal year. Should the treasury notes continue outstanding as heretofore, that surplus will be considerably augmented. Although all interest has ceased upon them, and the government has invited their return to the treasury, yet they remain outstanding, affording great facilities to commerce, and establishing the fact that under a well regulated system of finance, the government has resources within itself which render it independent in time of need, not only of private loans, but also of bank facilities. The only remaining subject of regret is that the remaining stocks of the government do not fall due at an earlier day, since their redemption would be entirely within its control as it is it may be well worthy the consideration of congress whether the law establishing the sinking fund under the operation of which the debts of the revolution and last war with great britain were to a great extent extinguished should not with proper modifications so as to prevent an accumulation of surpluses and limited in amount to a specific sum be reenacted such provision which would authorize the government to go into the market for a purchase of its own stock on fair terms would serve to maintain its credit at the highest point and prevent to a great extent those fluctuations in the price of its securities which might under other circumstances affect its credit no apprehension of this sort is at this moment entertained since the stocks of the government which but two years ago were offered for sale to capitalists at home and abroad at a depreciation and could find no purchasers are now greatly above par in the hands of the holders but a wise and prudent forecast admonishes us to place beyond the reach of contingency the public credit it must also be a matter of unmingled gratification that under the existing financial system resting upon the act of seventeen eighty nine and the resolution of eighteen sixteen the currency of the country has attained a state of perfect soundness and the rates of exchange between different parts of the union which in eighteen forty one denoted by their enormous amount the great depreciation and in fact the worthlessness of the currency in most of the states are now reduced to little more than the mere expense of transporting specie from place to place and the risk incident to the operation in a new country like that of the united states where so many inducements are held out for speculation the depositories of the surplus revenue consisting of banks of any description when it reaches any considerable amount require the closest vigilance on the part of the government all banking institutions under whatever denomination they may pass are governed by an almost exclusive regard to the interest of the stockholders that interest consists in the augmentation of profits in the form of dividends and a large surplus revenue entrusted to their custody is but too apt to lead to excessive loans and to extravagantly large issues of paper as a necessary consequence prices are nominally increased and the speculative mania very soon seizes upon the public mind a fictitious state of prosperity for a season exists and in the language of the day money becomes plenty contracts are entered into by individuals resting on this unsubstantial state of things but the delusion speedily passes away and the country is overrun with an indebtedness so weighty as to overwhelm many and to visit every department of industry with great and ruinous embarrassment the greatest vigilance becomes necessary on the part of the government to guard against this state of things the depositories must be given distinctly to understand that the favors of the government will be altogether withdrawn or substantially diminished if its revenues shall be regarded as additions to their banking capital or as the foundation of an enlarged circulation the government through its revenue has at all times an important part to perform in connection with the currency and it greatly depends upon its vigilance and care whether the country be involved in embarrassments similar to those which it has had recently to encounter or aided by the action of the treasury shall be preserved in a sound and healthy condition the dangers to be guarded against are greatly augmented by too large a surplus of revenue when that surplus greatly exceeds in amount what shall be required by a wise and prudent forecast to meet unforeseen contingencies the legislature itself may come to be seized with a disposition to indulge in extravagant appropriations to objects many of which may and most probably would be found conflict with the constitution a fancied expediency is elevated above constitutional authority and a reckless and wasteful extravagance but too certainly follows the important power of taxation which when exercised in its most restricted form is a burden on labor and production is resorted to under various pretexts for purposes having no affinity to the motives which dictated its grant and the extravagance of government stimulates individual extravagance until the spirit of a wild and ill-regulated speculation involves one and all in its unfortunate results in view of such fatal consequences it may be laid down as an axiom rounded in moral and political truth that no greater taxes should be imposed than are necessary for an economical administration of the government and that whatever exists beyond should be reduced or modified this doctrine does in no way conflict with the exercise of a sound discrimination in the selection of the articles to be taxed which a due regard to the public weal would at all times suggest to the legislative mind it leaves the range of selection undefined, and such selection should always be made with an eye to the great interests of the country. Composed as is the union of separate and independent states, a patriotic legislature will not fail in consulting the interests of the parts to adopt such course as will be best calculated to advance the harmony of the whole, and thus ensure that permanency in the policy of the government without which all efforts to advance the public prosperity are vain and fruitless this great and vitally important task rests with congress and the executive can do no more than recommend the general principles which should govern its execution i refer you to the report of the secretary of war for an exhibition of the condition of the army and recommend to you as well worthy your best consideration many of the suggestions it contains the secretary in no degree exaggerates the great importance of pressing forward without delay in the work of erecting and finishing the fortifications to which he particularly alludes much has been done toward placing our cities and roadsteads in a state of security against the hazards of hostile attack within the last four years. But considering the new elements which have been of late years employed in the propelling of ships, and the formidable implements of destruction which have been brought into service, we cannot be too active or vigilant in preparing and perfecting the means of defense i refer you also to his report for a full statement of the condition of the indian tribes within our jurisdiction the executive has abated no effort in carrying into effect the well-established policy of the government which contemplates a removal of all the tribes residing within the limits of the several states beyond those limits and it is now enabled to congratulate the country at the prospect of an early consummation of this object many of the tribes have already made great progress in the arts of civilized life and through the operation of the schools established among them aided by the efforts of the pious men of various religious denominations who devote themselves to the task of their improvement we may fondly hope that the remains of the formidable tribes which were once masters of this country will in their transition from the savage state to a condition of refinement and cultivation, add another bright trophy to adorn the labors of a well-directed philanthropy. The accompanying report of the Secretary of Navy will explain to you the situation of that branch of the service. The present organization of the department imparts to its operations great efficiency but i concur fully in the propriety of a division of the bureau of construction equipment increase and repairs into two bureaus the subjects as now arranged are incongruous and require to a certain extent information and qualifications altogether dissimilar the operations of the squadron on the coast of africa have been conducted with all due attention to the object which led to its origination and i am happy to say that the officers and crews have enjoyed the best possible health under the system adopted by the officer in command it is believed that the united states is the only nation which has by its laws subjected to the punishment of death as pirates those who may be engaged in the slave trade a similar enactment on the part of other nations would not fail to be attended by beneficial results in consequence of the difficulties which have existed in the way of securing titles for the necessary grounds operations have not yet been commenced toward the establishment of a navy yard at memphis so soon as the title is perfected no further delay will be permitted to intervene it is well worthy of your consideration whether congress should not direct the establishment of a rope-walk in connection with the contemplated navy-yard as a measure not only of economy but as highly useful and necessary the only establishment of the sort now connected with the service is located at boston and the advantages of a similar establishment convenient to the hemp growing region must be apparent to all the report of the secretary presents other matters to your consideration of an important character in connection with the service in referring you to the accompanying report of the postmaster-general it affords me continued cause of gratification to be able to advert to the fact that the affairs of the department for the last four years have been so conducted as from its unaided resources to meet its large expenditures on my coming into office a debt of nearly five hundred thousand dollars existed against the department which congress discharged by an appropriation from the treasury the department on the fourth of march next will be found under the management of its present efficient head free of debt or embarrassment which could only have been done by the observance and practice of the greatest vigilance and economy the laws have contemplated throughout that the department should be self-sustained but it may become necessary with the wisest regard to the public interests to introduce amendments and alterations in the system there is a strong desire manifested in many quarters so to alter the tariff of letter postage as to reduce the amount of tax at present imposed should such a measure be carried into effect to the full extent desired it cannot well be doubted but that for the first years of its operation a diminished revenue would be collected the supply of which would necessarily constitute a charge upon the treasury whether such a result would be desirable it will be for congress in its wisdom to determine it may in general be asserted as true that radical alterations in any system should rather be brought about gradually than by sudden changes and by pursuing this prudent policy in the reduction of letter postage the department might still sustain itself through the revenue which would accrue by the increase of letters the state and condition of the public treasury has heretofore been such as to have precluded the recommendation of any material change the difficulties upon this head have however ceased and a large discretion is now left to the government i cannot too strongly urge the policy of authorizing the establishment of a line of steamships regularly to ply between this country and foreign ports and upon our own waters for the transportation of the mail the example of the british government is well worthy of imitation in this respect the belief is strongly entertained that the emoluments arising from the transportation of mail matter to foreign countries would operate of itself as an inducement to cause individual enterprise to undertake that branch of the task and the remuneration of the government would consist in the addition readily made to our steam navy in case of emergency by the ships so employed should this suggestion meet your approval the propriety of placing such ships under the command of experienced officers of the navy will not escape your observation the application of steam to the purposes of naval warfare cogently recommends an extensive steam marine as important in estimating the defences of the country fortunately this may be obtained by us to a great extent without incurring any large amount of expenditure steam vessels to be engaged in the transportation of the mails on our principal water-courses lakes and ports of our coast could also be so constructed as to be efficient as war vessels when needed and would of themselves constitute a formidable force in order to repel attacks from abroad we cannot be blind to the fact that other nations have already added large numbers of steamships to their naval armaments and that this new and powerful agent is destined to revolutionize the condition of the world it becomes the united states therefore looking to their security to adopt a similar policy and the plan suggested will enable them to do so at a small comparative cost i take the greatest pleasure in bearing testimony to the zeal and untiring industry which has characterized the conduct of the members of the executive cabinet each in his appropriate sphere has rendered me the most efficient aid in carrying on the government and it will not i trust appear out of place for me to bear this public testimony. The cardinal objects which would ever be held in view by those entrusted with the administration of public affairs are rigidly, and without favor or affection, so to interpret the national will expressed in the laws as that injustice should be done to none, justice to all. This has been the rule upon which they have acted, and thus it is believed that few cases if any exist wherein our fellow-citizens who from time to time have been drawn to the seat of government for the settlement of their transactions with the government have gone away dissatisfied where the testimony has been perfected and was esteemed satisfactory their claims have been promptly audited and this in the absence of all favoritism or partiality the government which is not just to its own people can neither claim their affection nor the respect of the world at the same time the closest attention has been paid to those matters which relate more immediately to the great concerns of the country order and efficiency in each branch of the public service have prevailed accompanied by a system of the most rigid responsibility on the part of the receiving and dispersing agents the fact in illustration of the truth of this remark deserves to be noticed that the revenues of the government, amounting in the last four years to upward of 120 millions of dollars, have been collected and dispersed through the numerous governmental agents, without the loss by default of any amount worthy of serious commentary. The appropriations made by Congress for the improvement of the rivers of the West and of the harbors on the lakes are in a course of judicious expenditure under suitable agents and are destined it is to be hoped to realize all the benefits designed to be accomplished by congress i cannot however sufficiently impress upon congress the great importance of withholding appropriations from improvements which are not ascertained by previous examination and survey to be necessary for the shelter and protection of trade from the dangers of storms and tempests without this precaution the expenditures are but too apt to inure to the benefit of individuals without reference to the only consideration which can render them constitutional the public interests and the general good i cannot too earnestly urge upon you the interests of this district over which by the constitution congress has exclusive jurisdiction it would be deeply to be regretted should there be at any time ground to complain of neglect on the part of a community which detached as it is from the parental care of the states of virginia and maryland can only expect aid from congress as its local legislature amongst the subjects which claim your attention is the prompt organization of an asylum for the insane who may be found from time to time sojourning within the district such course is also demanded by considerations which apply to branches of the public service for the necessities in this behalf i invite your particular attention to the report of the secretary of the navy i have thus gentlemen of the two houses of congress presented you a true and faithful picture of the condition of public affairs both foreign and domestic the wants of the public service are made known to you and matters of no ordinary importance are urged upon your consideration shall i not be permitted to congratulate you on the happy auspices under which you have assembled and at the important change in the condition of things which has occurred in the last three years. During that period, questions with foreign powers of vital importance to the peace of our country have been settled and adjusted. A desolating and wasting war with savage tribes has been brought to a close. The internal tranquility of the country, threatened by agitating questions, has been preserved the credit of the government which had experienced a temporary embarrassment has been thoroughly restored its coffers which for a season were empty have been replenished a currency nearly uniform in its value has taken the place of one depreciated and almost worthless commerce and manufactures which had suffered in common with every other interest have once more revived and the whole country exhibits an aspect of prosperity and happiness trade and barter no longer governed by a wild and speculative mania rest upon a solid and substantial footing and the rapid growth of our cities in every direction bespeaks most strongly the favorable circumstances by which we are surrounded my happiness in the retirement which shortly awaits me is the ardent hope which i experience that this state of prosperity is neither deceptive nor destined to be short-lived and that measures which have not yet received its sanction but which i cannot but regard as closely connected with the honor the glory and still more enlarged prosperity of the country are destined at an early day to receive the approval of congress under these circumstances and with these anticipations i shall most gladly leave to others more able than myself the noble and pleasing task of sustaining the public prosperity i shall carry with me into retirement the gratifying reflection that, as my sole object throughout has been to advance the public good, I may not entirely have failed in accomplishing it. And this gratification is heightened in no small degree by the fact that, when under a deep and abiding sense of duty I have found myself constrained to resort to the qualified veto, it has neither been followed by disapproval on the part of the people. Nor weakened in any degree their attachment to that great conservative feature of our government. End of President John Tyler's Last State of the Union Address, December third, eighteen forty four. Read by John Greenman.